The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. I have to go with a uh, wow. That was, that was some good stuff. If you didn't listen to those songs, you need to go back. Forget listening to me. That was some good stuff. That f- first song, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about that whole idea. Go ask the stone that Jesus rolled away what happens when God says move. <laughs> That's awesome. And... Uh, I, th- I think what we want to do is ask God to move right now, don't we? So, so anyway, that's, that's where we're going today. Uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter 15. The title of the sermon, as you can see today, is Ground Rules for a Fair Fight. Now, you might say, as somebody said to me this morning, there is no such thing as a fair fight. But I think this will make a little sense. Um, this last weekend, my wife and I got to go out and visit our grandson, Hosea. And uh, as we got connected with him again, uh, my son said to me, you got to be careful right now because Hosea is going through a biting stage. <laughs> so, okay, uh, you want to watch him. Now, fortunately, during our visit, we did not experience Hosea's biting. However, it did make me think that perhaps this is a hereditary problem because I remember when Travis was little, he had a serious biting problem. I mean, serious. I mean, there's 30-year-old kids walking around that used to play with him when he was little that still have scars from whatever that boy did to them. Uh, and I remember one time we were down at my parents' house visiting with family, and my daughter came running out of the back room, and she said, Dad, Travis is biting. And my sister was there, and she said she thought he said, she said that Travis is fighting. So, uh, so my sister went, oh, that's sweet. She said, we never let our kids fight either. And I thought, oh, we let them fight. We just have some ground rules. You know, <laughs> no biting, hair pulling, a few other things. But uh, the, as far as the church, as far as the world goes, can we agree <laughs> there are going to be some fights? I mean, honestly, um, we're going to see that in Acts chapter f- 15. You know, they, uh, when you first get married, you know, people tell you, uh, you know, you are going to face some rough times and there will be a time when you fight. And sometimes you think, no, never going to happen. And then, of course, you fight. Uh, it, it happens. But God gives us some great principles in Acts chapter uh, 15. So, so let's, let's go there. Let's hit the story. Uh, if you remember, which I doubt you do, but Paul and, and Barnabas had just finished up missionary journey number one. They'd gone through the Isle of Cyprus. They'd gone through what is now Asia Minor, the land where Galatia is. And they had preached the gospel. And faced incredible opposition, but saw incredible blessing, and people getting saved, and churches established, and they went back, and they revisited the believers, and they are pumped. They're excited about what what God is doing, so we have to begin with this word right here, but, because whenever things get moving well, uh, there is somebody who's got to throw a little water on what's going on, and it says, but some men came down from Judea, and they were teaching the brothers, here's what they said, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, so Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel of justification by faith in Jesus Christ. And they said, hold on a second. Unless you follow this Jewish law, you're not going to get saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had, look at these next three words, no small dissension. Okay, I don't know what that says to you. No small dissension translates to me, 
Big fight. No small dissension. Uh, so anyway, they're a little ticked, and they debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So Paul and Barnabas, hey, come on up to Jerusalem. We need to talk about this because there's something going on. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles that brought great joy to all the brothers. So along their way, they're testifying. They're saying God's doing an incredible thing. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, by the way, some believers, they've, com- they've been converted, but they still have some of their old thinking in here. They rose up and they said, it is necessary to circumcise them in order th- for them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made, it, uh, God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. That refers back to chapter uh, 10 when Peter is sent to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and the door is open for the Gentiles to, to be saved. Peter said, You know this. I've told you this already. So Peter is a witness there. And God who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. This is not the sermon today, but man, could this be a sermon. Okay? It is not, listen listen for a second, it is not an overstatement. It is not preacher speak, church speak that doesn't make any sense. It's just, hey, we need to say this. It is not in any way that for me to say that the answer to Division that is caused by race or anything else is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we understand that we all stand before Jesus, we all stand before Jesus, we all stand before God in need of a Savior, in need of Jesus Christ, and there is no distinction between us and them, our hearts can only be cleansed by faith. That's not the sermon, but couldn't that be a stinking good sermon? Maybe sometime. Okay, here we go. But now, therefore... Why are you putting God to the test by placing this yoke around their neck? The disciples that, uh, uh, that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Why are you heaping the law on them? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. Again, the same message there. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Paul and Barnabas. And, and I'm sorry, to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Let's bring out the first point or the first thing that can help us in conflict resolution, dealing with differences, and that is we need to be listening. Okay? It says that they all listened to Paul and Barnabas. Let's hear what they have to say. Let's get the story down here. Now, you know that communication is essential in any relationship. Uh, Listening is essential in communication, perhaps far more than talking uh, in that. And uh, let, let's, let's, let's think for a minute, okay, just in a, in a marriage, how important it is to listen. My wife and I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, experienced our, what should we call this, the COVID conflict or the quarantine quarrel, whatever you want to call it. But uh, anyway, I guess we'd had enough of each other. But, uh, but I sat down uh, one day, and I have a philosophy about money that I'm sure all of you will appreciate. I kind of think that there should always be a buffer in every category of the budget. 
Okay? I mean, you get, if it's down to zero or if you, you spend a little money thinking that more is coming in, that's a mistake. Okay? You always have to have a buffer. That's just how I feel about it. Well, in our family budget, the, the areas that are led with her name hadn't always been operating like that. In fact, sometimes they got a little negative before the number, and it was like, oh, yeah, but that money's coming in. So I carefully and lovingly explained to her the, the importance of the buffer. Now, some of you wives right now are getting ticked at me already. I could tell. Uh, and guys, I should suggest this to you. Do not take my side, even if you agree with me. Just go with it. Just, yeah, he's a cad. Poor Francis. Just go with that. But anyway, we had a little discussion about, about that. And I was trying to think of a way to make a point that, uh, that how important this buffer was. So I said, honey, well, how about, like, for example, if something happened with your mom, let's say she fell and broke her hip, and you want to get down there, but we don't have any money, you know, in the, in the extra fund or, or whatever like that. And I thought I'd made a good point. I was pretty proud of myself. But over the next few days, yeah, there's people here laughing at me knowing I'm a moron. But, uh, but over the next few days, it got kind of quiet. And, uh, you know, I could tell things were just not right. And finally, I heard those lovely words, we need to talk. And I, you know, I was like, no, we don't. And yeah, we, we need to talk. And here's the thing. What, when I said, honey, you need to have a buffer in there, here's what she heard. She heard... If my mom falls and breaks her hip, you're going to tell me that I cannot go down and help her because I don't have extra money in there. And, I, and you're going to say something like, honey, you should have thought of this when you were buying extra clothes for the grandchildren. <laughs> Your mom's just going to have to limp around for a while because, and honestly, there was no way that was on my mind. I would have never have done that. But at, the, but at the same time, that's what my message told her. And we needed to sit and I needed to understand what she was thinking. And she needed to understand what I was thinking uh, so that, you know, so that we could stop having our COVID quarrel as far as that goes. In every situation, communication and listening is going to be vital. And oh, man. Uh, let's let's just be honest about our situation right now. It is incredible how many different things we have that we can fight about. How many different things that we can have differing opinions about. I mean, it, it's it's unreal. And I, I don't, hopefully you have noticed this. <laughs> I'm going to use the word try. I have tried, <laughs> not always successfully, to keep a lot of my opinions to myself, okay? I failed many times, but I've tried, especially in this context. I don't want to stand up here and, and let you know what I think about this or what I think about that because a couple, couple different reasons. Uh, one is, first of all, that's just not my calling. I mean, that's not, you know, I'm not trying to get anybody converted to a certain way of thinking or a certain political mindset or anything like that. And I don't want to in any way take away from the message that we're proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus Christ by getting somebody upset about me because I shared some opinion. However, I thought, you know, hey, I, I am an opinionated guy. I got to confess. Again, you can ask my wife and she's, she, oh, yeah, <laughs> he, he's got too many opinions. But believe me, but I decided, hey, I need to talk to somebody. So I have some old friends live scattered around the country, and I thought, hey, I'll call them up and, and just talk to them. And they're smart guys. They love Jesus. Smart people who love Jesus, they're going to agree with me, right? I mean, that just makes sense. If he's smart, he's going to think like I think. Well, three different conversations with three very, very good friends, a couple of them more than 40 years I've been friends with them. Each one of them turned sideways because I expressed an opinion. And the weird thing is, each, each one of them, it was a different thing that they disagreed with me on. It was a totally different, a totally different is issue. And we're still friends, and we will stay friends, but if you know what I mean, the, the conversation just got awkward. 
and still is a little bit. Over a couple weeks, you know, still like, okay, we got to tread carefully because, you know, I said something that touched a nerve, and, and pretty soon, you know, they were like, like that, and, you know, not violent towards me, but, man, I, I touched that nerve, and there, and there we go. And I realized with that, first of all, I realized this. There's nobody that agrees with me on everything. And I probably have a couple opinions that nobody agrees with me on. But more importantly, I said at the beginning that these guys are smart, they're intelligent, they love Jesus. I still think that. They're smart, they're intelligent, they love Jesus. And I want to continue to think that. And I want to believe that smart, intelligent people who love Jesus can disagree with me. And I need to hold on to that and realize that. You know, I don't know if you've noticed this in arguments, but everybody has their experts they can quote. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, so-and-so said. And have you ever noticed that we kind of have a tendency to agree with the experts who agree with us? And we all have our experts we can bring out. We even have, and, and this, this might not make sense to you unless you, you've been around Christian world for a long time, but we even have our verses we throw at people. And we have different ones and stuff like that. And if I can get in my mindset, if I could. Now, I'm not saying listen to the other side of the story and you will completely agree with them. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying listen and all our problems will be solved. But I am saying if we will listen to why people believe what they believe, try to understand where they're coming from, I think it will go a long ways uh, towards us being able to, if you want to say it like this, agree to disagree on some things. And for me to still remember with love and respect, I want to treat them because they do love Jesus and they do, uh, you know, disagree with me. But that doesn't make them stupid or dumb or anything like that. Does that make some sense? So listening is crucial. Again, problems all go away because we listen. No, but listening is crucial. Now, the next thing I wanted to point out. After they had finished speaking, James replied. He said, brothers, listen to me. Now, I just want to introduce you to this guy by the name of James. I don't know if you know this or not. Well, first of all, did you know this is the half-brother of Jesus? I say half. They had the same mother, different father. Uh, He was not part of the story while Jesus was alive, but after the resurrection, uh, his life has changed. He becomes probably the foremost, definitely he and Peter, the foremost leader of the church at Jerusalem. And James gets a little nickname. Do you know what it is? James is known as James the Wise. So the second thing that I think is important that we remember is the need for wise counsel. I think everybody agrees of the importance, even like in government, if we can find something we all agree on, of the importance of checks and balances. And I would say I know how important it is that I have at this time in my life, I have some checks and balances. I have some wise counsel. I'm thankful for our elder team in that regard. I'm thankful, very thankful for my wife in that regard. But, and, and you know, I mentioned this before, even um, just seeking the counsel of those who've gone down the road ahead of me. And we'll be able to do that some, even with other churches beginning to reopen. We'll be able to learn from them, and we want to do that. We want to seek wise counsel and avoid some mistakes. But if you would just um, think about this w- with me for a second. Hold on a second. I can't read my notes. We see need. Okay, here we go. I, I think about this as far as marriage goes, uh, too. The need, the need for counsel. Marriage counselors, I've heard n- numerous, three of them that I can think of right now that I know personally, that say the biggest thing that they struggle with is that people do not come and see them soon enough. Okay? They don't, uh, you know, they wait, and by the time they come in, things are just such a disaster uh, that it is very hard to even offer any type of help. Uh, last summer, let's see, two summers ago, I bought this uh, 2008 Nissan Rogue. Uh, last summer, the 
the air conditioner decided it wasn't going to work. So I decided to fix it. So I took it and I got a can of Freon. I put it in there and I fixed it for 20 minutes. Uh, so then I went and got another can of Freon. I think this one was like 50 bucks, but it had stop leak in it. And that fixed it for 25 minutes. Uh, and then I thought, hey, you know what? I better go in and get some professional help. So I took it in and they said, hey, since you put the little stop leak in there, we're not looking at your car. So uh, fortunately for me, it has black leather seats, so I get extra warmth uh, dr driving, or driving around. I'm kind of stuck with no air conditioner, but I decided to fix this problem on, on my own and just made a bigger and bigger mess about, mess about it. We cannot emphasize enough the need that we have for wise counsel and to get some help in situations where there's conflict before things get out of control. Let's go on, though. Then it seemed good, I'm sorry, jumping over a few verses here, but it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And they sent Judas, called Bersabbas, and Silas, leading, uh, the, who were leading men among the brothers. Third thing that I want you to see that is important in resolving conflict is having a specific plan of action. Having a course of action is something that we're going to do. Whether that means I'm going into a counselor, whether that means, you know, here are some specific steps we're going to take. But too often, listen, you have a conflict with somebody out in public and they go away and you never see them again. But too often in the situation of life, like a marriage, uh, like a family, like a business, we, uh, the problem is never really resolved. Uh, you have the fight, you have the conflict, and then you just kind of let it pass. If you're still in close proximity to that person, understand that problem has not gone away and somewhere it is most likely going to resurface again. So what I'm saying is inactivity or passivity is not the answer. Uh, just uh, avoiding a problem does not make the problem go away. So it is wise that there be a specific, and, and yes, it most definitely needs to start with a conversation, a real conversation with communication and listening. And if that can't be resolved like that, please get some help in resolving things. We want to make sure that we are being proactive and going after the problems in our lives and the conflicts in our lives. Chapter 15, verse number 28. But it seemed good to the Holy Spirit... And to us to lay hands on you. Greater burden, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just decided to make up the Bible there for a second. To lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Okay? So it said, hey, we, we felt like we, we don't want to give you a burden of a bunch of the laws and the rules. Except for that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood. And from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. And if you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Now, the next point that I want to give you, when even saying it, I feel a little evil, okay? Because I was taught this is a bad word in church. You don't compromise. Baby, you don't compromise no matter what. You take a stand and that's it. But if you watch what happened there, and, and I actually tried to figure out that that wasn't what, what was being said here. Because I, I was like, okay, why did you say, okay, you got the new believers. They're saved by grace uh, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. So, so why then are we even giving them a little bit? I mean, the, the verses we just read, he said, okay, we're not going to hit them with a bunch of burdens, except for a couple things here we're going to throw at them. Why these dietary laws? Why are they getting hit with those? As best I can understand as I study it, the reason is, is this right here. They said, hey, you know what? These are some things that are going to help the situation. If we can keep these things in here, we can kind of get the, the ball rolling here, and this is just going to help, I don't know how to say it, it's going to help smooth out the situation. If we can get them to live with these little dietary laws here, let's let, let them do that. 
And that brings us to some principles of Scripture that I want to show you. The book of Galatians. Now, we're going to actually move into the book of Galatians next week because that's where we are in our stories when Paul wrote the book of Galatians. But um, chapter 5, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul wrote to, and again, this is the group that we're talking about. This is where Paul has just ministered. These are the ones that are being told they have to keep the law in order to be saved. And Paul's getting ticked about it. But here's what he wrote to them later. He says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Don't miss this. Stand firm, therefore. Okay? We could paraphrase that, paraphrase that and say, guard your freedom. Okay? Protect it. Don't let other people heap a bunch of rules on you uh, and take away your freedom. Folks, if you have been around church world for a while, I hate to say this, but you have been hit with some, I don't know how else to say this, some kind of weird rules sometimes. Now, and I hope I picked a couple things that don't offend anybody. But uh, one time... I had a guy write a letter to the church leadership about me. And he said, this guy is leading them down the wrong path. And here's what he did. I'm not, I'm not kidding. You can't make this stuff up. He said he was singing audibly in the hallways of the church building the song, Splish Splash, I Was Taking a Bath. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I mean, this was in the guy's letter. He found that, I don't know what he found offensive. Nakedness? I have no idea what he was offended by. Uh, but he wrote this letter to the church leadership and said, you got to do something with Dan Thomas because he walked down the hall singing splish splash. I was taking a bath. You got me. Okay, the other one that I got accused of one time was uh, dealing with the devil because I was playing cards. Now, I was playing euchre. I like to play euchre. I like to play hearts. I like to play different games like that. But apparently, uh, this fellow had read something about the Joker being Jesus and everything like that. And he wrote this long letter saying that I was evil in that. There are some things that you just have to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I really is. I'm sorry you feel like that, but uh, too bad. And honestly, there are some things where you just have to say that. However, the Apostle Paul said this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, isn't that kind of compromise? I think it is. Sometimes I have to be willing to lay down my freedom to help somebody else. In the book of Romans, chapter 14, great passage on this whole issue. But let me show you a couple of different verses there. Therefore, let us not pass judgment one, uh, on one another any longer, but rather decide, look at this, never put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. And down in verse number 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual up, up building, help, helping other people. Okay, do you see what I'm saying by compromise there? I don't want to, uh, I am free. Okay, I am free from the law. I am free so many times. There's an old song we used to sing, I am free to love, I am free to dance, I am free to live for you. I love that. And I love to celebrate my freedom that I have in Christ, but at the same time, I don't want to use that freedom to hurt other people. So there is an area where I can give up some freedoms. I can surrender... Come on, think, think with me now. If, if I've lost you, think back. Think about our situation in life right now. I ain't going into specifics. And, and here's why. You have the Word of God, you have the Holy Spirit of God, and you have a brain in your head. And you don't need somebody to stand and tell you, well, that means you ought to do this and you ought to do this. I'm just saying, would you apply that to your situation in life and say, where is it, God, that you would want me to surrender some of Is there a place where you want to surrender some of my freedom in Christ for the sake of somebody else? Okay, that, that's what I'm saying to look at. You say, well, I don't see any. Then don't do it. I'm, I'm saying surrender yourself to the Lord before him and pray and say, God, is there a place where I can surrender some of my freedom?
for the sake of a brother in Christ, for the sake of uh, a cause in Christ. In fact, let's, let's move forward on that a little bit here as we go back to Acts chapter 15. When they had read that they rejoiced because of the encouragement. I'm sorry, I'm skipping some of the elements of the story here. Uh, they had sent with Paul and Barnabas, they're going to send with him a letter to say, hey, wait a minute, these guys, these guys are on the up and up. These guys have got the message, listen to them. When they, let it, when they read it, they rejoiced uh, because of the encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, were encouraged and strengthened the brothers with these words. These are the guys that went along with, with Paul and Barnabas now. And after that, they spent some time, I'm sorry, after they spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, to those who, who had sent them. Okay? Get, get, get the picture here. Uh, they, uh, they took a plan of action. They said, hey, we're going to send you with these letters. We're going to send these brothers with you. We're going to send you out like that. And that people are rejoicing, and there's peace and everything. Why is that? Because of a singularity of purpose. What they are doing is spreading the gospel. And a key element of peacekeeping, of getting along, is understanding that we have that same purpose. Now, around here, you know, we like to say we want to help you connect to God, first of all. We want to connect you with others. And thirdly, we want to connect you with a purpose. And if my focus is the purpose that I have, which is to glorify God and to share the gospel, to fulfill the Great Commission and take the gospel to other people and share that, if I can keep that as my focus and run the actions, the choices that I make through that filter of saying, I have this purpose, and if we all pick up that same purpose and say, this is job one, the purpose that we have, our calling in Jesus Christ, and we run our actions through that, we are a whole lot better off towards keeping the peace, would, would you not say? And here, the church is united behind this. They've taken a plan of action, and they said, hey, this is what we're all about. We're excited about the gospel being proclaimed. We can live with a few give, give and take here and there, and we, and we can move forward. However, I kind of would like the chapter to end there, and it doesn't, and I, I feel like I need to share the end of it. Um, I'm only going to show you this one verse, but the story to me, in a lot of ways, it ends sadly, chapter 15, because you know, they've worked through this conflict, and at the end, so Paul and Barnabas are ready to head off on missionary journey number two. They want to revisit the churches that they've already established, and then they want to start new churches. Man, what an exciting mission. So they're getting ready to go, and Paul says, you ready, Barnabas? Barnabas says, oh yeah, I'm going to get John Mark here. Remember, he went with us on the first missionary journey. And Paul says, oh yeah, he went with us, all right. But when the going got tough, the tough got going, or I'm sorry, the week got going, he took off. Uh, he quit. I don't need a quitter on the trip, okay? And Barnabas is like, well, hey, wait, come on. Where's, where's a little mercy? Where's a little Christian love here, buddy? Uh, let's, let's give John Mark another chance. And Paul's like, I don't think so. And what the Bible says is this. There arose a sharp disagreement, so sharp that they separated. <laughs> I was like, Okay, weren't you just preaching on kindness and getting along? Think about the two guys involved here. The Apostle Paul, most people regard as the greatest Christian of the New Testament. He wrote more than half the New Testament. Barnabas was the guy that when he was with Paul, other people thought he was the chief of gods. They thought he was a Zeus. Remember that back in, uh, in ch chapter 13. I mean, this guy was known as a loving giver, a leader of the church. And these two guys can't come to an agreement here. They can't come to now. I, yeah, I like, I, and here's why, because Barnabas was wrong. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. You know, that's why I started off and I said, hey, you know, some disagreements are going to be inevitable. If these two guys 
uh, had some disagreements. I got to think we're, we're going to have them. We got to learn, you know, to practice some of these principles, to understand where other people are coming from. Here, here's what we need more than anything. This word right here, we need grace. I mentioned we're going to dig into the book of Galatians next week. Well, Galatians has two primary themes. One is freedom. It's called the Magna Carta of the faith, the great charter of freedom for the faith. It is also, the second theme is this word right here. And understanding that we need grace, understanding that other people need grace, and learning how to show that during this time is so incredibly important. And, and like I said, I, I'm saddened by this part of the story when I read it. I'm like, you know, really? These guys couldn't come to terms and agree? Now, later on, the good news, later on, Paul says about John Mark being profitable, and there seems to be, you know, hey, they got back together and things are good. But at this point, he's like, I don't want this, this loser going with us, this quitter. Good news, though, is that God takes this, and Barnabas goes with John Mark, and they visit Cyprus, and they revisit re the churches there. And Paul gets some other guys to go with him. Silas and Timothy ends up joining, and Luke's with them, and they head up into Asia Minor, and they minister up there. So God takes this, and he actually multiplies the ministry through this. I, I, don't, I don't mean to be the you know, cockeyed optimist in saying this, but I keep looking for the good news. I, I keep looking for the good to come out of what has been going on in our world the last few months. I, I keep looking for that. I keep, and, well, let, let me just go here. I, I think the main, the main thing that if what is happening turns us to a place where we're looking for God or brings us to a place where we're looking to God for help, this is a good thing. If it brings people to the place where they recognize their need of Jesus Christ as a Savior and they come to Him asking for forgiveness and there's new life in Christ, then this is a good thing. If it brings us as Christians and as a church family and as the, and as the church uh, to a place where we're saying, God, we need you more than anything, we look to you for help, this is a good thing. I'm going to pray about that in a second here. And, and yeah, normally when I get done praying, we kind of cut the broadcast and they put on some music. I've asked them to play a song that if, if you can, take a, take a moment and listen to it. It's a Reba McIntyre song. Maybe you've heard Back to God. I, th I think this was recorded a couple years ago. But uh, <laughs> I, was, I actually played it probably 10 times yesterday and just was thinking, I want to get down on my knees and pray. Okay, pound the floor and scream his name. You'll hear some of those lines in there. But we've got to turn this land. Actually, she says we've got to turn this world back to God. And that starts with us. Um, I think uh, I was, we were messing around with my microphone because it didn't work earlier. But I was, was kind of listening to Adam talk at the beginning here. And, um, you know, ju just kind of saying that for a lot of folks, this has been, th this, this, this hurts. It's been a spiritual drought. And things, th everything's kind of cattywampus, you know. But for a lot of people, it has really impacted us spiritually. It's been a time of spiritual drought. Can I encourage you just to take a few moments now, if you're in a situation where you, where you can, and maybe even make the prayer of this song the prayer of your heart. Just say, God, I need to get back to you. I need to get back to you. Father, um, I, re I bow before the power of your word the truth of your word. Lord, I hate like anything the dissension, the arguments, and, and, uh, but Lord, I pray that we would learn to love people through this. And most importantly, Lord, I pray 
that there would be more than ever a turning back to you. Lord, Lord, I, I know I, I hate Orwin. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing preacher speak and people are thinking, oh, he has to say that. But God, the, the gospel, the gospel is what this country needs. And the gospel is what evens us out, level, levels us, uh, you know, puts us on the same plane before you. The gospel is what empowers us to love people. God, turn us back to you, Lord, I pray. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.